This episode was recorded prior to Kobe and Gigi's memorial in Los Angeles at the Staples Center. Vanessa Bryant showed tremendous strength. A sad day, a celebratory day. With that said, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace, Gigi Bryant. Rest in peace to everyone who tragically passed in that helicopter accident. My thoughts and prayers are with the families. What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 139. That's right, episode 139 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Appreciate the continued support. Shouts to all of the listeners across the globe. Go leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment right on your Apple Podcast app. Rate and review wherever you listen to Combo's Court. And share this episode with a friend, man, via social media or word of mouth. Today's show, Ethan Skolnick joins in. Ethan has previously worked with Bleacher Report, CBS Sports, and multiple newspapers in the Miami area, and now has started his own network called Five Reason Sports. You could check that out at FiveReasonSports.com. We discuss the Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala signings in Miami, Bam's leap to stardom, and LA Lakers talk, plus much, much more. Follow Ethan on Twitter at Ethan J. Skolnick. That's E-T-H-A-N-J-S-K-O-L-N-I-C-K. You know you can follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Ethan Skolnick of FiveReasonSports.com. Welcome to Combos Court, man. How are you feeling today? Yeah, good to be with you. It was a great weekend for the Heat at All-Star Weekend. How was it for you? Um, it was interesting. I mean, I've covered a lot of these. Um, I don't think I've ever covered one with as many players from the team I was covering uh, that were actually there. So that was different. I mean, the year before, you know, really the only thing to worry about from a Heat perspective was Dwayne, and he was added late. So, you know, we had six guys to chase around. Um, you know, I remember covering I mean, the first one I think I covered was 2000, um, which was actually uh, Vince Carter's dunk contest in, in California. So I've covered pretty much every other year um, over the past 20 years. And uh, like I said, I've never covered as many guys from one team. I think the most significant one was probably covering uh, Dwayne, Dwayne's first in 05, which also happened to be LeBron's first. So that was, that was a little bit different, but, and then covering Shaq and Dwayne together, but um, it was fun. I mean, you know, to have somebody in every event, I think it, it signified the heater on the way back. Uh, I think what we saw last night against Atlanta signified they're not all the way back. Right. And, and so, you know, this is still a team that in a lot of ways is going to be a work in progress for a little bit until they kind of figure out how the pieces fit. But uh, there's young talent on this team. And I, I thought the biggest thing obviously uh, was Bam. I mean, I know people talk about DJJ. DJJ is a great dunker, but Bam Adebayo, I think, showed why Heat fans should be so excited about him because, I mean, to win a skills competition against guards, um, it's not an easy thing to do. And, you know, he not only won it, but, I mean, he dominated Dinwiddie in their competition. And, and you know, it just shows you there's really no ceiling to this guy. I think he can be a top 10 player of the league, and I think that's going to happen faster than, than maybe anybody anticipated. Did you ever put any thought into how he could even take his game to the next level, take even another leap into superstardom? 
I think it's it's going to happen with the jumper uh, and and aggressiveness with the jumper. I think the next level in his game is kind of incorporating a lot of the stuff that Chris Bosh has been working with him on. Um, I think as far as the defensive versatility, uh, the effort level, the uh, the offensive rebounding, the screen setting. I mean, all of that he's doing at an elite level already. I think I think what we see is you know, for a lot of guys the scoring comes first. I think for Bam, it's going to kind of come last. I mean, he's already an elite passer. He's probably the second best big man passer in the league behind Jokic at this point. And so, and there are some nights he's better than Jokic. <laughs> so I, I think he's there. As a think, passer I, better than Jokic? I, I don't think he's better, but I think he's there. I think he's, okay. I think he's, I think he's on that level. Um, I, I think if you watch him night to night, you, you, you see things that, you know, he's seeing the floor in a way that, you know, again, I covered LeBron and Dwayne down here, and, and they saw right. the floor in a way that was different from everybody else. And I think Bam has that same ability. Um, I mean, maybe not LeBron level because nobody in history has ever had that, but but it's uh, it's pretty damn good. And and I think, you know, to me, it's just the jumper. It's 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 he. I see him make shots in practice. Um, I know he likes shooting the ball, but he's been reluctant. He's not a a pushy person in general. Um, and so I think that he kind of is the type to wait his turn. But I think once he starts to get confidence in that jumper and unleash it more consistently, uh, yeah, then you're going to see the numbers go from where he's consistently scoring 17 to consistently scoring 23. And that's when, you know, people around, you know, the, the casual fan will start to take more notice. Right. Before the trades, uh, there were some instances where waiters, Jogic and Hero were all on the floor at the same time. It wasn't really conducive to a, a great defensive team. I feel like they got better on the defensive side of the basketball but how much does uh, Andre and Jay, and Jay signing in Miami really move the needle in terms of title contentions? Well, I don't think it moves in terms of title contention. I, I don't think that's really what it was about this year. Um, you know, defensively, defense has been the issue this year, which is not what you would anticipate with a Spolster team. But I think if you look at their personnel, you understand it. They, they were counting on Justice Winslow to be, you know, if not their best defender, then certainly one of their top three. And to not have him and, you know, to have the situation where they felt he could play and he didn't feel he could play and he's still not playing. Um, and then, you know, so you have a lot of one-dimensional players, right? You have Dragic, you have Hero, you have Olenek, you have, uh, you know, none. I mean, they're offensive players, primarily. Uh, Duncan Robinson, I mean, that, they're, they're in there for offense. Um, defensively, you know, beyond Jimmy and Bam, and I think Jimmy at times has gotten tired this season, and Derek Jones Jr. developing on that end. They, they really didn't have a lot of defenders. And so I think that it made sense to go make the Iguodala Crowder moves without jeopardizing any of 2021 while creating cap space for 2020, which puts them in the room with – it's a weak class next year, but if there's any players that are going to get traded, the Heat will have the cap space to absorb it. And if you look at the, the top team – the teams in the league with the most cap space, they're fourth right now. And they're the only team that's attractive. The other teams are like Atlanta and Sacramento um, and New York. So they're, they're more attractive than those other teams. And so I think that, you know, I liked the moves for those reasons to me that the third most important reason was, uh, you know, plus you got DJJ, excuse me, you got JJ and and waiters off the roster, which I think needed to happen. Right. Um, But, but I think I, to me, the biggest thing was, I mean, the third biggest thing was, was really what they would actually contribute on the court. You know, Jay Crowder has been better than expectations as a shooter for sure. Since he's come in, he started at the four last night. Iguodala was a minus thirty-three last night. Now he's got first game back in game shape. Yeah, first game back from the break. Um, He's got to work his way back into game shape. But I I think they have to be. Spolster's got to be careful with with particularly Iguodala. Um, Last night he was running a bunch of lineups out there without Butler and Bam, 
And I, I don't think I don't think at this stage of their careers, Dragic or Iguodala can be expected to carry a lineup without a star type player with them. So I, I think there's some tweaking that has to be done. I think both guys can help in the playoffs. It makes the Heat a team that can switch, which they weren't before. Um, particularly when you, now you have Bam Butler and DJJ, and then those two guys, you can switch everything. Yes. You don't have to play as much zone, which is a positive because the Heat Heat team should not be playing as much zone as they're playing. It's not Heat defense. Uh, Spolster went to it as a gimmick against Philly and then has basically run it all year. And I'll just be honest, I don't like it. It's, I've covered them for more than 20 years, and Pat Riley, Eric Spolster teams do not play zone. Um, so, it, so it needs to – they need to cut back on that a bit. And I think Iguodala and Crowder helped them do that. Yeah, I've been seeing more and more zone in the NBA. Um, yeah, I think – well, and it's odd. You wouldn't think so, right, with all the yeah, shooting. right. Uh, but, but I think that the part of it is that, uh, you know, you also have these quick point guards at the point of attack, and, and I think that, you know, getting the second defender up there against that point guard sort of at the head of the snake is helpful. But, again, I, you know, the Heat ran it against Philly because Philly's shortcoming is its outside shooting. And, you know, it, it kind of turned the season series against Philly. You know, the Heat got blown out the first game against the Sixers and then won the next three. Uh, but the problem is it hasn't worked against everybody else. And, it, and what it's kind of doing is it's making bad teams look better. Um, and so we've had now the Heat have lost five of six and all on the road. And they've basically been torched from three in every game. So I, I just think it has – it's got to be something that is cut back. Uh, and, and it's not like Spolstra's stubborn about it. He doesn't like playing it. So, it, but it's a question of what he's looking at with his personnel and trying to hide certain guys on defense. Did waiters to the Lakers reports make any sense to you? Uh, just for the simple fact that the LeBron and waiter thing didn't really work out in the past. Um, yeah, and I was in Cleveland the year that, that LeBron wanted Dion off the uh, roster. I was actually spent that season up there. Um, you know, and and to show you what he thought of Dion, I know they're represented by Clutch now, all okay. of them. So, but to show you what uh, he thought of Dion. You know, I was basically told it was addition by subtraction and that he thought J.R. Smith would be a more stable person in that role. Well, was definitely uh, a better shooter. I think that was well, it, it proved to be true. He was a better yeah. he was a better basketball fit. But yeah. anybody to say that some J.R. Smith is a more stable person than someone else is gives you, <laughs> it gives you an indication of kind of where LeBron was with Dion. Um, I, I don't think uh, I, I think from a skill standpoint. Um, the Lakers need another playmaker score. Uh, I, I don't like. Uh, I, I think what we've seen, provided that AD and LeBron stay healthy, obviously they're going to be a, a tough out, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't think Rondo has been good. Um, I don't like KCP as a creator. I, I think they need one more guy. Um, Dion can do that. Now the problem is Dion's going to hijack your entire offense. I mean, even when he got some minutes with the heat, it was the same old thing. It's like he created some pretty amazing shots, but everybody else stood around and they were pretty much, you know, not effective when he was in there. Um, I, I think that he can, I like to me, Dion and Philly make sense. Like they need, um, they need a guy off the bench who can provide some scoring and maybe let uh, Simmons play off the ball a little bit. Uh, but I, I don't, and, and I think the Lakers could use him too, but again, it's, it's a cost benefit analysis there. It's like, okay, you're going to play Dion at the expense of who, and he's going to get, he's going to shoot you into two games and then shoot you out of three. So I, I don't know if it's worth it, but I don't think the Lakers have a lot of good options. I mean, most of their buyout targets have gone elsewhere. Nick Collison, I mean, excuse me, Darren Collison doesn't seem to want to play. I think they're still so, trying to convince them. They are, but again, when you're trying to convince a guy that much, I, you know, I come back to um, the heat with Mike Bibby from that, you know, that first year of the big three. Like, if you're trying to talk a guy 
into playing those kind of usually the guy is cooked. I mean, he just now I think Darren Collison can still play at a reasonably high level. He did last year. Um, we did the last time he played, but I, it doesn't seem like his heart's in it. So if his heart's not in it, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a, like I said, I don't think there's a great option. I, I would, for them, I, I don't see what the harm in Jamal Crawford would be. Um, I mean, Jamal's a good locker room guy. Everybody you can say that Jamal. about Philly too. Well, I agree. Like yeah. Jamal is, Jamal is a very easy guy to deal with. He's very right. well liked around the league now. I mean, he, you know, he's a high volume player as well, but he's not somebody you can't talk out of it like Dion is like I, yeah. I feel like he could play in a system for a few minutes uh, I'm a little surprised that Jamal has not gotten any looks because again usually when a guy is kind of blackballed like that it's because he's known as a bad guy and actually it's complete opposite with Jamal Crawford he's known as a good guy so I, I don't really get it maybe he's like stuck in between they think he's a little bit older to help a championship team and you really don't want him on a rebuilding team that would be my thoughts yeah it's possible I mean, um, I want to see him in the league because he's I love his game and he's a great player, but that's kind of how I see yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's possible, but I, again, I don't see what the Lakers have to lose. I mean, I don't I don't know whose minutes are they taking, right? And, right? and if you if you have one of those nights that, you know, Kuzma is more concerned about his hair than he is about the court, like Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I look Kuzma was not a top fifteen pick. So I, I think his his uh, whole profile got inflated to a place it shouldn't have been. And and we know that with LeBron, the third guy is always gonna get attention and a lot of scrutiny. Like that's that I mean, I dealt with it here with Bosch, um, who is an all-time great. Dealt with it. I saw it in Cleveland with Love, fit in, fit out. Uh, with LeBron, the third guy is always going to get heat um, because it's that's always there's always going to be someone who becomes the scapegoat there. And so Kuzma is an easy scapegoat though because he seems like he's concerned. He's like Ben Simmons with less game. Like he 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 seems like he's concerned about everything else, social media you know, IG models, et cetera, except, you know, what matters, you know, Ben seems to be a better leader to me from what I'm seeing this season. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, yeah. Ben's issue with, I mean, Jimmy's issues in Philly were with Ben, not with Embiid. I, right. I think uh, just like in, in Minnesota, they were with towns, not as much with Wiggins. I, I just think that if, if you look at, uh, you know, Kuzma, he, he's not, he's not good enough to kind of be acting the way he acts. And, and so eventually LeBron will get rid of him. Like, I, you know, and I think now what we've seen is that, you know, the way Ingram blew up, if there really was a choice at any time, you know, they clearly made the wrong one, right? Like, so I, you know, it's, it's I mean, Ingram is your number three, looks a lot different than Kuzma is your number three. And, and so I, I don't, I would bring in another scorer there because I think that Kuzma is going to have some games in the playoffs where he doesn't contribute much, and it would be good to have somebody else as a change of pace. Is it Kuzma Crawford? Is it Waiters? I would go for Crawford, even though he's 10 years older. But, you know, I think either guy could give them something they don't have. Yeah, I think the Lakers have a great shot. One of the reasons I feel that so is just that AD is one of those stars that is – you can't really disrupt him. Like, I feel like you could disrupt stars like James Harden right. and Giannis. Right. Like, Anthony Davis's efficiency is so high – and he can score off the ball. He can score on the ball. I just think it's tough with him. And obviously, the only LeBron, way you disrupt and obviously Davis LeBron's playing great. Hurt. Yeah, yeah. But the only way you disrupt Anthony Davis is if he's hurt. I mean, that's right. That's it. Exactly. But, but but again, like when I come to this, if, if if the Clippers figure things out, okay, and they've got Paul George, they have no back to backs, and they're playing Paul George and Kawhi in the playoffs, and you've got the change of pace with Lou Williams, and now you you've got some other pieces with Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson who can maybe win you a playoff game potentially if one of them is on. Uh, you know, it, my thing is with the Lakers, how are you going to handle both those guys? LeBron can't handle both of them. Okay. And, and defensively, I'm not even sure he can handle one of them at this stage. So, 
and I'm a LeBron guy. I mean, I cover LeBron and I, I was spent a year with LeBron in Cleveland when he went back from Miami. So, you know, I'm not, I, I never doubt LeBron, but I'm just saying, if you just look at it, they have more pieces than the Lakers do. Um, the Lakers can, you know, they have to turn on the switch though. Clippers, the Lakers don't cause they've been that, doing that, it. That's true. And I'm a little surprised at that, Andrew, honestly, yeah. because I, I thought that the, the Lakers would have difficulty doing that, but they've been motivated from the jump this year and, and good for them. But I just think the, the Clippers well, look when Kawhi wants to be the best player in the world. He is. Uh, I just think, I don't think he's better than LeBron. <laughs> I think at their highest, highest level right now. And again, this is difficult for me because I witnessed the four years here in Miami. And I think 2012, 2013, LeBron was the best LeBron. And I, I think the best player we've seen in 20 years was LeBron that season. Um, but with that being said, I think when, Kawhi as a two-way player and Kawhi does not get okay. into it defensive way he did as a two-way player Kawhi at his peak level right now is higher than LeBron's peak that's just my opinion because I think LeBron and I don't think it's I don't think it's so much about what it was with LeBron late in his big three tenure here where it was more about what did he really want to commit to defense and it was effort and want to I think now it's just he can't defend at that level physically for the the period of time he could do it a little bit but he can't do it for that period of time. Kawhi is still capable of doing it physically. Um, now, Kawhi has, I think, shut it down at times, but he didn't shut it down during the playoffs last year for Toronto. And, and I think that, again, I come back to this. If, if Paul George plays big in the playoffs, that's always a question. But if Paul George plays big in the playoffs, I just who is the second guy that's going to guard them? Kuzma? Like, who? I mean, KCP? Like, it's I don't... I don't like those matchups. Now you could reverse it and say who in the Clippers bigs is going to deal with AD. And that's fair. Okay. I mean, Harold, um, no. Okay. Zubat. I mean, they don't have yeah, a great no rim protection, either. no rim protection, but I, I do think, um, I, I think ultimately the league comes down these days to wing stars. Okay. Two way wing stars. That's where the league is. That's where the rules have gone. Uh, that's where the coaching is. And I think when you have two guys like Kawhi and Paul George, as opposed to one, I think, who's in his mid-30s at this stage, uh, I, I think as great as LeBron is, I'm going to give the edge to the Clippers. That, that's how I look at it. And, and look, I like some other teams in the West. I think like a lot of people, I like Utah and Denver. I don't think they have the front-line star power to get it done. I just don't. I'd like to see it. I know the NBA would not. Uh, NBA wants Clippers, Clippers-Lakers. But, right. uh, but And I think that's probably what we're going to get. Right. Let's shift back to Miami. Why didn't Gallo end up uh, in a Heat jersey? They made a decision. Um, well, he made a decision. They would have been willing, I think, to take him. I mean, it wasn't about uh, Presti and, and Pat. Uh, they basically agreed that basically the Heat were going to lift the protections on two picks, which allowed the Heat to send them another pick. Um, and that was going to be the deal. And then there was some salary filler. So I, it, there was a possibility James Johnson was going to be rerouted there. Probably Solomon Hill probably would have been rerouted there. That was the conversation. There was some discussion about Kendrick Nunn. Uh, not a lot, but there was some as possibly the final sweetener in this deal. The, the problem with it was the Heat were a little bit caught in between. They, they didn't want a rental, but they also didn't want to lock him up past 2021. So they wanted to give him what they gave Iguodala, which was this year, and then we'll give you next year. And then you'll be off the books in 2021. And Gallinari decided that he would prefer to play it out and be a free agent this year than to do that. Or he wanted the three, the third year past 2021 into 2022 to have some security. Uh, the Heat just basically decided they were not going to do anything to jeopardize 2021. I mean, they've got bigger plans 
whether it's Giannis, whether it's Oladipo, whether it's Beal, whether it's Kawhi, whether it's – I mean, they want to be in the room with these guys. They've worked too hard. And the way it was put to me by somebody in the Heat front office was everybody said, well, just get Gallo and then deal him because he's a good player and he'd be able to deal him. He's like, but we just dealt with that. We just spent three years trying to dump contracts. Like, I, you know, do we really want to go through that again? And even though Gallo is a better player than Waiters or Olenek or Whiteside or Tyler Johnson or Dion, you know, or, or James Johnson, all the five guys that the Heat oversigned, okay, uh, they, they didn't want to deal with it again because what if Gallo gets hurt again, right? Uh, what if his game doesn't fit with the Heat the way it fit? you know, with Denver and the Clippers and the Lakers, you know, and that, and if that's the case, then you basically committed yourself. You're going to spend a whole year trying to dump his contract. And because they, they don't want any money past 2021. Like they don't, they didn't view Gallinari as a guy who was the next piece with Jimmy. Um, to them, Gallo was a guy who could possibly vault them into Eastern conference finals contention this year. Uh, and maybe if they got lucky, they'd go to the finals. Like that's the way they viewed it. And for that, it wasn't worth jeopardizing, the potential of a dynasty down here again and Pat walking into the sunset, you know, with the team that includes Bam, Butler, Giannis, and Tyler Hero. It, it just wasn't worth it to him. Yeah, even Beal and Jimmy would be a great combination. Yes, and there's respect there. Um, so, and, and, and Beal, you know, we've talked about Beal down here forever. You know, we were a little surprised that he locked himself in, although he that was, yeah, that was kind of crazy. He yeah. put himself in the best financial position, which is understood, but we definitely knew he'd, yeah. he'd hate it there. Um, but they couldn't trade him till this off season. They still value him. My question with him is, would the heat be willing to headline a package with Tyler hero? Um, if they would be willing to headline a package with Tyler hero, they can probably get Bradley Beal. But do you, the, you know, Bradley's only 27, but he's been in the league a long time. And the question, because he came in so young, the question is, you know, are you going for it now in what is still sort of the edge of Jimmy's prime with Bam, you know, not even entering his prime yet? Do you go for it now uh, with Beal? Or do you say Tyler Hero is seven years younger and a hell of a lot cheaper? And do we see what we have here? And maybe Tyler Hero becomes Bradley Beal which I think is possible. There, there are similarities in their games. So Offensive, I think offensively he could become Beal, but I don't know about defensively. But defensively, Beal's been bad this year, like the last two years. Now, maybe it's And the playoffs, I think that would be different. Yeah. It might be. I mean, yeah. he's capable of it. Yeah. Um, he's capable of better. He's playing with guys where it's not emphasized. He's playing right. in a program where it's not emphasized. Uh, in Miami, I think he would be more than a passable defender. Um I think yeah. they can get Hero to be a passable defender here. Like I don't, I don't know that he'll ever be elite, but he has um, pretty good instincts, though. He has pretty good instincts, and he plays hard. I will say this about him: he he will work. Like there's not, he's a hard. He is perfect for the Heat system, and I, I think that's why you know, just like they identified Bam as untradeable last year, I think they're getting pretty close to that with Tyler, where it's just okay, we can upgrade absolutely for right now, but is the upgrade worth the difference in, in age and the difference in money? Uh, and they may decide it's not. Right. Yeah, I like Heroes Game a lot, and Beal's obviously great as well. You, you might not go wrong with either of them. I wanted to shift to a random question. What's this body fat percentage thing that Miami does before the season? Like, you have to be a certain body fat percentage or they, they tell you to go home? Like, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. I mean, there's really different levels. It's whatever Pat decides it is that day, basically. Uh, I mean, this has been going on for years and years and years. I mean, you know, I talked to Brian Grant about it recently, about coming to the Heat in 2000. That's 20 years ago. Um, you know, Tim, yeah. Hardaway, Tim Hardaway had a had a body fat clause in his contract that he kept violating. Um, you know, they decided not to draft Draymond Green, which I wrote was a mistake on draft night. 
because Pat thought he was fat. Um, ironically, it was, it was Tim Hardaway who was the guy pounding the table. He was in the Heat organization at the time, and he was pounding the table for, uh, for Draymond. Um, they, they, they take it very seriously. Um, you know, you look at, you know, Dion kept violating it. That's not really the reason he was on the outs. It was more the drug issues, to be honest, and the insubordination. But it, it had something to do with it. Um, but James Johnson's a perfect example. James Johnson, my understanding this year, because James looked thin to me, my understanding was, and he was talking about it, what great condition he was in, and the next day he was suspended. Uh, the, he, 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 does was, MMA, he does MMA and stuff, right? He does MMA, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. kind of lazy. I, I think what happened there was he actually passed the heat's conditioning test but didn't meet some other standard that Pat had for him. Um, and so some of it is player-specific, and they just don't tolerate any garbage. They just don't. You know, I, I'm a little surprised they've been bad on back-to-backs this, this year because – I really thought that, you know, with the conditioning and everything else, that would be the thing that they're, they're ready for. Um, but it's been, it's been a bit of a struggle on back-to-backs this year. They've been really bad on the second night of back-to-backs. So it doesn't always play out the way you want. But, you know, I, I think generally, you know, they have a better system here than pretty much anybody else in the league. What was Miami's reaction to Chris Bosh not getting in the hall this season? Not happy. Um, okay. I, but, I, but I think, again, look, I think you have to look at the, the context, okay? Um, I think, you know, if, if you don't have the tragic situation with Kobe, um, he's in, okay? Because I, I think what happened here, they changed the rules a little bit. And if you also look, they only let three players in, three male players. Um, and so, you know, basically it's three of the all-time, all-time greats. I mean, you can't make a case for Chris Bosh over Kobe, KG, or Duncan. So I, I think them wanting to put the emphasis on those three guys, I think they basically decided – Chris is going to get in, but this is just not the year. And I actually think ultimately, although Chris is disappointed, Chris is one of my favorite people. So there was no chance for him to get in this year? I, no, he could have. They could have added a fourth player. They could oh, okay. Have. I got it. I thought, okay. But they only went with three and then Tomjanovich. And then they actually lowered the number of women international players, but they still ended up with eight total um, in, the, in the class. But they only took three modern era players. Um, and so if you look at those three – it's kind of like, okay, I mean, you're looking at like a Mount Rushmore. I mean, all three of them won MVPs, right? I mean, Kobe, KG, and Duncan. So, what do you, you know, and all have championships. You know, all were elite, 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 okay? So, Chris Bosh was elite, okay? One elite, all right? Uh, so, I, I think what we're going to see now is next year, it's actually going to work out better for Chris, in my opinion, because next year, I, I don't really see much in that class. There's a Ben Wallace still around. There's a Chris Weber Chris is going to be one of the headliners of his class instead of being, okay, we have these three all-time greats. And Chris Bosh was a really good player who's funny. I, I think it would have been better. I, th- I think it's better for Chris ultimately that he, he waits here. I have this feeling, I don't know if it's correct, but I, I have a feeling that Kyrie's going to retire early. Um, yeah. Yeah, but if he were to retire today, would you think he'd be a Hall of Famer? Um, I'm not a... Uh, uh, I'm not a big Kyrie guy. I'll just okay. acknowledge this. Um, I, I was, again, I was in Cleveland for a year. I knew that nobody in that locker room had his phone number. Um, <laughs> I'm just not, uh, he, to me, he's not, he's an elite talent who doesn't necessarily make the place he's working a better place. I think we saw that in Boston. So I'm kind of the wrong guy to ask. I mean, I, I think, uh, I don't think he's going to have a long NBA career. I don't think he loves it anymore. Um, I don't, I, I just, I don't think it's, I mean, he, he obviously is a little bit of a different guy. Uh, I can tell you that 
when when the Celtics subbed out, you know, Kyrie and brought in Kemba Walker, that Heat officials, as much respect as they had for for uh, Kyrie, were actually more worried because they have more respect for Kemba as a just as what he would bring to the Celtics from an overall perspective. So I, I think I'm the wrong guy to ask. I think with that being said, I think eventually, yes, he would get in. Um, you know, he, he does have a ring. Uh, he's got the Olympic stuff, which matters. One of the biggest shots in NBA finals. history. One of the biggest shots in NBA final history. I think yeah. he gets in eventually. Um, I, but I think he's kind of missed his window. I mean, unless Durant can resuscitate it, I think we've kind of moved on from think Kyrie's a top three point guard in the NBA. Like I, I don't, I don't see – I think Lillard has passed him. He's just more durable. Um, I think – and I think he loves it more. Uh, I think, obviously, Curry – and durability is an issue there, but obviously Curry's ahead of him. Um, you know, Russ is – you know, Russ is a complicated topic. Uh, yeah. But, you know, but – and there's no title there. But, I mean, if Russ was playing with LeBron in Cleveland, they'd probably win a title, right? I mean, probably, I guess. Yeah. So, I, I just think um, – like I said, I'm the wrong guy to ask. I, I was not. I was used to covering Dwayne Wade in Miami and saw the sacrifice to play with LeBron, and then went to Cleveland and saw Kyrie's attitude about things and was kind of like, okay, that's not the Dwayne. <laughs> so, right. so I, I, I'm like I said, I, I'm probably in the wrong position to be questioned on that one. Tell me more about uh, five reasons, and can you share a little bit about your media career leading up to what you do today? Yeah, I've covered pretty much everything down here. Um, you know, I worked in, in sports media for 25 years. I, you know, started by covering the Heat and the Dolphins. I was a Dolphins beat writer at age 24. I saw them when they were actually reasonably competitive for a while. Um, I was a columnist down here at the Sun Sentinel. I've worked at all three major newspapers uh, back when we had big staffs. Um, I was a talk show host, uh, host on Seven Night the Ticket for three years in, uh, on, on Afternoon Drive. Um, and then started this media – I worked for Bleacher Report, CBS, um, and then I started this media company. Uh, basically, the whole idea of Five Reasons is to blend – as we see newspapers, radio stations uh, kind of go backwards, contract, cut people loose, not sort of be forward-thinking, not pr- provide content on demand, put stuff behind paywalls. As we've kind of seen that sort of stuff, there's been a lot of uh, younger uh, – most of them uh, – fans i call them fanalists uh <laughs> right right have, have sort of popped up on social media and right i followed a lot of these people engaged with a lot of these people and found that a lot of these people even though they weren't credentialed were actually uh you know had bigger followings and and did more research broke down more film uh were were more engaged than the you know these sort of old tired sports writers and and radio show hosts um and so the idea of five reasons is, you know, we've got a bunch of podcasts. We've got a full website, five reasons, sports.com. Uh, you got to spell it out. F I V. We've got a YouTube channel. Uh, we're developing some other things too, but the whole, and I host the NBA podcast five on the floor, but our whole idea is, you know, that we're blending sort of old school media people with sort of these fanalists, these new and, and giving them the same credibility that, that we have. Um, and so I've got a lot of them credentialed. NBA All-Star Game, we had three credentials each of the past two years. Uh, we had three credentials to the Super Bowl here in Miami with press box seats. So, um, you know, I consider us to be an outlet that's right there with any of the other outlets in town. And we're, we're actually going to take this concept to some other markets outside of Miami. But, again, it's a blend of old school and new school. Um, and I just find that the new school is much more motivated um, and much more forward-thinking, cutting edge. Um, I have a writer on our site, Nikias Duncan, who I think is – 
as good as any NBA writer in the country, save maybe Zach Lowe. Okay. So I, I think, um, you know, I, you know, it's just a question of now, how do you monetize it? How do you pay them? That's, that's the next step, but, uh, and right. that's what we've been working on, but that's kind of the concept. And like I said, you know, I, we have a, you know, our Dolphins podcast is the number one podcast in the market. Our Heat podcast is the number one from downloads, uh, our Hurricanes. So we started with podcasts, but it's developed into a lot more. Yeah, that's interesting because even in the basketball player realm, you see like social media personalities playing in like the LA fitness. Maybe they're just like a yeah. funny guy or something like that. And they have more influence. Some of these guys have more influence than like 80% of the NBA. Oh, yeah, no, it's true. It's true. No, I mean, I, I think we have to go to different places to kind of find content these days. I, I don't think, you know, I think there, there was sort of a real arrogance about some of these outlets, um, but I don't think that's the case anymore. So I, I think, you know, I think what, what we've done, it's not just us, but you look at, you know, on a bigger scale, I mean, the athletics a little different because they're kind of, they've gone to a paywall model, a subscription model, more of an old school newspaper model. If you look at what Barstool's done, I think our content's a little more highbrow than Barstool, but I respect the hustle. Let's just put it that way. And kind of right. like they've created a niche. Um, and so I, I think that there's a place for some of these. I think what we've tried to do is a little different is create a network effect. So, I mean, you've seen like the fan sided and some of these things kind of, they're on the fringe, but they don't connect. And, and our people, you know, what we do is we make sure everybody promotes everybody else. Um, and that's why we call it a network. So it's, it's a little bit of a different deal. Teamwork makes dream work. Ethan, where can we find you on social media? Uh, two places. Uh, Ethan J. Skolnick. Um, that's E-T-H-A-N-J-S-K-O-L-N-I-C-K. But honestly, I'm really more so on the Five Reasons Sports account. Uh, that's just the number. Five Reasons Sports. Uh, tweeting like a madman 50 times a day. I'll be at the Dwayne Wade retirement stuff all this weekend. We cover Miami sports, but like we cover, I mean, we cover everything else that relates to Miami sports too. Uh, thanks, Ethan. Great stuff. Talk soon. All right. Appreciate it. Good to be with you. Thank you for listening to Combos Court and big shouts to Ethan for joining in. We appreciate you. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app. Share this episode with a friend via social media or word of mouth. I would greatly appreciate it. Big shouts to all of the listeners across the globe. The continued support. Nothing short of amazing, man. Be on the lookout for episode one, four, zero. Combo out.